The Joe Mays and J-Rock Show is brought to you in part by Mays Sandwich Shop, serving delicious hometown favorites to the West Lawn community since 1947. listening to the Joe Mays and J-Rap Show, bringing you the latest news and commentary on baseball. The 0-2 pitch, swing and a miss, struck him out! The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of Baseball! Hockey. College football. But now Blackman is going to put it up on first down. He's going for the bundle. Garrity! Touchdown! And the NFL. The Denver Broncos are world champions. They have just won Super Bowl 50. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Raffoff. Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the 208th episode of the Joe Mays and J-Raff Show. I'm one of your hosts, Joe, May- Joe Mays, and sitting next to me is my co-host, Justin Raffoff. Yeah, it's uh, good to be back. Um, you know, this was, you know, uh, a crazy week in, in terms of, you know, kind of uh, lots, lots of different sports stuff going on, um, you know. In regards to our show, kind of focused on the second half of the week. And I was going to say also crazy because, um, you know, we, we often refer to life, you know, having other getting in the way kind of of, of our sport. Not that it's a bad thing, but just we have other responsibilities that, that don't allow us to always sit down and watch sporting events together. Um, it's usually a rare occasion that that actually happens, and it's usually a big deal. And it happened this week. So that indicates that it was a big deal. <laughs> yeah, it was a big deal. And it's, it's probably actually this year probably a smaller deal than it usually is. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is crazy to think that the Eagles picked second. But I guess when the drama is taken out of it, it's not as – we talked about right. it last week before right. it started. We, the but 98% chance of what happening right. is That's one of the happen. things that happens when you trade up as well. When you trade up, you know you're going generally to get they someone. know who you're going to go get. If you're there just because you – We're terrible. Quote, unquote, earned it <laughs> – um, then, you know, then there's a little bit more, uh, you know, kind of open-endedness. And that's exactly what happened in the top part of the draft. The teams that had traded up, everyone kind of knew the direction they were going. And the teams that hadn't traded up, teams that had kind of earned their way to a, to a high pick because they're terrible years, <coughs> Cowboys, um, they, you know, there's a little more intrigue there on what they're going to do. Yeah, so uh, we're going to go over the 2016 NFL Draft, which completed yesterday evening or last night. Uh, 253 picks in the books through seven rounds, and uh, we're going to yeah. talk about a that's few also, teams. That's an odd number, too. That's kind of weird. But yeah, yeah. I think usually 254. Oh, I wonder why. Yeah. They're missing the pick. I wonder whose that was. <laughs> um, at, you know, Alluding to the teams that we usually talk about, there's usually six teams that we talk about. Eagles, Cowboys. Ravens, Steelers, Dolphins, Patriots. Now, when I went through everything, just to refresh my memory and what people did in some of the picks that I missed, I don't have a lot to say about any of those six teams, which is neither good nor bad. It right. just is. Yeah. Uh, we will talk, um, we'll touch on probably all six, but 
you know, spoiler, only one of those six is in my winners or losers section. Right. Which again, it kind of is okay. You know, it's just, right? I mean, the entire process is a wait and see. You don't know. It's all on paper. Absolutely. It, sometimes things look great and they end up being terrible. Sometimes you're like, what were they doing? And they're like, wow, that was great. You know, three years down the line, you're like, that was a good draft. Yep. But right now you might be like, that's awful. But going off of, you know, what we know of these players in college, the schemes that the NFL teams run, where they're going to fit, when they'll play, we can just do what we do best and take a wild guess of how these drafts are going to play out on the field. I don't know if it's something that you and I had actually shared or if it's something that I just saw while I was here watching the draft. (laughs) Um, But it talked about uh, keeping – this was Thursday night, mind you, so round one. It said, keep this in mind when everybody's ripping the uh, people who hype up college recruiting news so much. It said, only I think 7% of high school recruits are four-stars or five-star recruits coming out. This is for football, obviously. It said, however, and it listed since whatever year, 70% of your first-round draft picks are four-star and five-star, former four-star and five-star recruits. So it's it. You know, it's just like, well, yes, it's not the only thing that goes into it. You know, when you're getting a kid out of high school and going to college, lots of things can happen. There's a strong relationship there between – your skill set and being right. drafted in the first round. I mean, what makes you a four or five star prospect is going to be your physical traits, your height, weight, strength, or the ability to add or subtract from those categories. Now, right. I know height kind of yeah. not so much, but weight and strength that's in your control. And, you can you right. can change that. Same thing even with with speed to some extent. You can learn how to run better. Right. Become more agile. Yep. Those are all things you can change, and you know they're ranking you based on that. Productivity matters too, but a lot of it is potential. Right. And seventy um, percent, like Justin said, first round picks were four or five star guys. So yeah, there's always going to be the you know the mainstream media and even you know blogs and, and people out there just like us like to pick out the exception and point right. to it. But it's a reason that it's an exception. Right. You know, there might have been a hundred that were to a T the way you expected, and then there was a one outlier. What and what is the best one when it comes to the NFL to talk about? You don't need a quarterback in the first round because you know what? There's another Tom Brady out there. Yeah. Yeah. The 199th pick. How often does that turn out to be that? Yeah. Also, one time. Just, just wait. You know, everybody's looking for the quarterback who lost his starting job to a guy who decided not to play football at first and play baseball for the Yankees instead. You know, yeah, everybody's looking for that guy. Um, yeah, it, it's just, you know, it, it ties into a whole nother New England quarterback topic that. We'll talk about some other time. Oh, we'll get plenty to I've, talk about on New England quarterbacks. I've, I've already heard, I've already heard some like big time radio guys just saying like how interesting it'll be this year if Brady's not playing those first four games and how New England does and those things. So we'll talk about that some other time. However, um, like you said, the, the draft of this week, a lot of teams, um, you know, that we generally talk about pretty much did what we expected them to do based on our show. We talked about that last week. You know, they, they addressed some of their needs. Um, they didn't necessarily address them in the way that we thought they would, but uh, it, it'd be pretty interesting to see um, how that kind of plays out. We got plenty of draft talk to get to, <laughs> but before we do that, we want to get the contact info up and also get to an email that we have sitting here waiting for us from just a few days ago uh, from the st- evening of the draft beginning on Thursday. Uh, so Justin has ways that you can get in contact with us right now. Yeah. So um, we'd love to have you uh, talk about the show or 
call us to talk about the topics that we're going to discuss on the show today, you can call the Mace Sandwich Shop hotline at 530-563-6297. Again, 530-563-6297. You can also email the show uh, anytime during the week at jomazeandjraf at gmail.com. Again, jomazeandjraf at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and on Twitter. Both of those social media sites are great ways to interact with us. We try to post as much as we can to keep people uh, entertained and alert as to what's going on in the sports world. So if you could like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter at Joe Mays and JRAF, uh, we'd appreciate it. Okay, so let's go right into the May Sandwich Shop email inbox with an email from none other than Rich, the Pats fan. Uh, he's got a, a bunch of, to say to us, as he usually does. And we just want to make it known to him, if he's out there watching, that we're doing this show at 2.30 for you, man, because you requested it because you said you can't watch the whole show when we do it at night. So <laughs> here we are in the afternoon just for you. has nothing to do with our schedules. This is all for you. Yeah, and we're all about our loyal listeners. Right. So, all right, Rich, what do you got to say? He starts out. I knew that you would be waiting for me to write after all the things that went down this week. Yes, I'm talking about the Eagles taking Carson Wentz as their new quarterback while giving a bunch of draft picks and angering their current quarterback. Okay, I really want to make a quick comment about the great commissioner of pro football. Since this is a family-oriented show, I'll try to talk in the PG version. New England Patriot fans are very upset that, that he made that part PG. It looks like the Patriots are really being punished for past discretions and the four-game suspension will be in effect and Roger Goodell is still the judge, jury, and executioner. Plus, he is the only one who can overturn himself, made possible by Rule 46. Fat chance. He can say this is not about Brady, but about his power given to him by the NFL owners and the Players Association, but we know better. Now, even with the four-game suspensions of Brady and the loss of our first and fourth picks in this year's draft, the Patriots still have the best coach and quarterback and will still win the AFC East. Sorry, Joey. Now looking at Game 5 against the dreaded Cleveland Browns, Brady will be back and will be looking to kick some behind. Again, PG version. As Yamamoto stated, I'm afraid we have awoken a sleeping giant. Now besides death and taxes, the only thing certain, I would say Commissioner Goodell will never set foot in Gillette Stadium. Alright, that is my tangent, so I'm looking forward to hearing more about your take on this week's draft. And he went on to say about how he would prefer we have the show in the afternoon. Your loyal listener and Patriots fan, Rich. All right, so we got at least two or three things to talk about quickly. Um, first one I want to address, and he kind of points this out, but I do want to say that Goodell being the judge during executioner is the player's fault. So I don't want to hear any whining about it, whether or not it's from Richard Patriots fan. It's really anyone. And I'm sick and tired of the people hating on Goodell. Like I understand the Patriots fans. That's fine. You know, if I was in that situation, I probably would too, but everyone else, I just don't get it. Like, stop. It's just the easy thing. The to people do. booing the at the draft, like, you you right. are morons. Like I honestly was like, wait, we're in Chicago. Like what? Right. What's going on? But it's on? just like, well, if it was in Boston, okay, I get it. You know, if it's if it's somewhere like, I understand, and like there's some degree, some degree that it's like okay, you know, it's kind of like amusing because it's almost expected, whether that's right or wrong. Like, but like, okay, you know, give him give him the playful boo, and then when he starts to talk, just be quiet and they they kept booing this vocal minority just won't shut up about stuff like this and they just harp on the same thing and they just i i i don't understand what exactly they they okay if he leaves what changes nothing i'm, I'm asking nothing. what changes if is, he leaves and this is one of the interesting things too because i think it's more than i i agree with you the the players and the players association agreed to the the deal and so they have to live with it until it's up 
But I also like, and I brought this up before, that we're now getting to the point where some of the owners, including Bob Kraft, who was a really close ally with with Goodell, before, you know, years ago, um, you know, but there are rumored that about a third of the owners don't agree with the decision or public. I shouldn't say publicly because they didn't do it publicly, but, um, you know, don't agree with it. So it is interesting in that sense because some of them are starting to get this idea of, well, we don't necessarily like the exact wording either, but you know, it, they agreed to it as well. And it's like, well, look, this is what everyone agreed to. Everyone agreed to this. So that's the current situation we have until it comes up. And you know what's going to happen next time. This is going to become a big deal. And the owners are going to say, all right, well, then here are some of the other things we're going to throw in to do it. And it's going to go back and forth. And in my opinion, this is setting up for a huge dispute, for lack of a better word, or that they're going to have to overcome next time they do their negotiations, which who knows when that will be because the owners have the option to opt out in like a year or two, I think. Right. I don't know when the CBA will come to, you know, a head where... I think the players have like six years yeah, left or well, something so th- they could like I, not sign. It's early 2020. Right. But I think the owners, I think it was like 2017, 2018, the owners could opt In the out next year end. or two. Right. Um, so that all involves television money, all that, all that other right. crazy stuff. Right. But you're right. I mean, they're, one of the things they're going to want is they're going to want to take the power away from the commissioner in terms of, you know, disciplinary function. Right. And, and like you said, some of the owners are like, maybe we should get rid of that. So the owners are right. going to have a huge win there for right. that. Right. The owners, yeah. And essentially the owners, I think, are going to want to get rid of it. But they're going to view it as, all right, well, we can get something we want in return. So I don't know if we start to see the 18-game schedule or whether we start to see, I, I don't know, different different split in the money. You know, I, I have no idea. I but. I don't ever want it. Like I don't want it to sound like I'm. I'm always defending these billionaires because I really don't care about the owners. I care about what do we talk about all the time? I care about the shield, the league. I don't care about the people. Like I don't care about the owners. I don't care about Goodell. But like in the end, I want the the guys to come out on top. That is going to keep the league at the highest level. And I'm sorry, that's not the players. I know the players are the people doing it, but the ones that keep the league on top as the greatest American sport out there and arguably in the world, like you, you can't get into basketball territory. When you get into basketball territory, that is when the NFL is going to start falling apart. Right. Because it, but I see, I feel like we're so far away from that because it's just a different dynamic. You're talking about 53 man roster versus oh, yeah. it's, a 12 man it, it, roster. It's tough to compare, right? You're talking about a sport where you cannot win with one superstar in the NFL. No. I, you can win. You're not going to win a Super Bowl with one with good player, one good though. Player, no. Whereas, you know, it's just, it's very different. And you could argue you're not going to win with one superstar in the NBA anymore, you know, the way things have gone. It's kind of swung you need so a trio. far. Right, yeah. So, Especially if you're LeBron, you need like five or six all stars. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's go to his next point here, I'm which is him out a today. real fast one. He says, um, "The Patriots still have the best coach and quarterback, and will still win the AFC East." And he apologizes. I don't think he needs to apologize because I think everyone still knows that. Yeah, it, who's not picking them? <laughs> all right, First yeah. of all, you, you've he he mentioned it here. I'm afraid we have wakened a sleeping giant. I I wholeheartedly agree, Rich, and I think. When that time comes for our AFC East predictions, you will see that that's kind of where we fall. Now, this is kind of a split, though, because somebody said, like, what happens? And this is your favorite guy, by the way. Actually, you probably won't be your first guest for favorite guy. But 
I've I said this before. List. Right. I've said this before. So I'm just happy when I hear someone else repeat it, like on a national TV or national radio show. And he said, what happens if the if they go like three and one without Brady and then they come back and they lose a game or two with Brady? Like yeah. what happens? They're like, they're like, because are you telling me Brady's not at all going to be worried that Bill Belichick is going to bench the guy who's making more money in the veteran quarterback for the young upstart right, quarterback? Right. He's like, he's like, that could be don't think future. for a second yeah. that Brady isn't worried about getting Bledsoed. Like that's why <laughs> it's a full you know, circle. It's like a circle. Right. You know, it's just yes. the way that it works. And so, yeah, he just he talked. It was Bomani. But uh, well, yeah, know, I know, I know. He's not at the top of the list, right? Not even close to the top. Yeah, no, he's he's on the list, but he's, right, he's pretty right. far down there. <laughs> um, so thank you for the email, Rich. Hopefully you're listening today, and if you're not listening live, you can listen uh, a bit later on jmnjrradio.com or jomazenjraffshow.com, or in your iTunes or Google Play podcast library. So let's move right on to the main topic: the NFL draft. Again, I said seven rounds, 253 picks through Thursday. Uh, to Saturday, we all knew who the first pick was going to be, or we expected it to be, and it was, was Cal quarterback Jared Goff. He went to the Rams, who had traded up with the Titans a few weeks ago. Goff's the 10th California quarterback to be drafted, and he's the second number one, uh, the last being in 1975, was Steve Bartkowski. Um, Goff was the fifth first-round quarterback from Cal, but he's the first since some guy named Aaron Rodgers. I you know. know you might be familiar with his work. <laughs> he's he's stuck around in the league somehow. Yeah, a little bit. He's hung around. He he's he's done a pretty good job. Uh, the Rams have drafted a quarterback at number one for the second time in their history, but the second time in the last six years. Their last was uh, some guy by the name of Sam Bradford. Yeah, that kind of tells you how that played out, doesn't it? Yeah. So Sam Bradford, he'll probably come up in conversation in a few minutes here. Um, yeah. And looking at the Rams and their their. Uh, their draft uh, in terms of quarterbacks throughout any round, any of the year, and all these stats are coming from 1970 on, which is the most recent uh, merger period, um, was 1970. The Rams in drafting quarterbacks, not that great, especially when you consider most of the guys that I'm going to say didn't do much, if any, of their work with the four franchise. The Rams, right. So, um, you know, Bradford was obviously up there, but he wasn't in the top four or five that I looked at. Uh, so Goff uh, doesn't have a huge hill to climb. No. Uh, but the best ever drafted by the Rams, arguably either Ron Jaworski, who made his name with the Eagles, right. Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's playing right now. He's made his name with everyone with else. every other team <laughs> except the Rams. Or Doug Flutie, who didn't play a single game for the and Rams. made a name, again. As a Bill. Everywhere else. Right. right. Same, same with Fitzpatrick. He broke right. onto the scene with the Bills. So you look at that, you know, their best quarterback is probably um, Kurt Warner. Like if you if you have to look at it that right. way, not probably. technically not drafted. Right? No, 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 <laughs> not drafted. Um, but I just mean like ever. So that's not necessarily a knock if you because that's also a great thing to build teams is getting guys that weren't drafted. Yeah, right. However, undrafted, it's great. Yeah, it's terrible when you're if you're picking a quarterback number one overall. Now again, it's a little skewed because they weren't. They didn't win or slash lose their way into that number one pick. They had to trade up for it. Right. But Sam Bradford didn't pan out for them. And nope. then they traded for Nick Foles. And this kind of ties into the second pick, which is which is fine. But the Eagles and, and uh, Rams sw- swapped quarterbacks and, and things like that before last season. And it didn't work out for either of them. Yeah. And you want to talk about one of the worst trades in NFL like history. 
I, that's a little misleading because worst trades could be where someone wins and someone really loses. You know, you could look at like yeah, this uh, wasn't a bad trade, like the Herschel Walker trade. Like <laughs> right. that, that can be a best trade in NFL history or worst, depending on what side you're looking what, at, how you're looking at it. The context right. matters. This in terms of like everybody lost, it it might be the worst trade. Not not. I'm sure there are ones that are worse, but this is a terrible trade when when you look back and neither team got what they wanted at. Um. And I know the Eagles take heat for giving Bradford money, but so did the Rams give Foles money. You know that it, it's just it's it didn't work out really well. And everyone who was kind of questioning it from both sides before is still left kind of wondering what were they doing. Um, one major difference is that the coach who kind of orchestrated a lot of those moves in Philly is now gone, and the coach in in St. Louis well, slash L.A. is still right. there. So you, there's a lot of talk around that too. Like, how long does Jeff Fisher have in LA? Now it's kind of interesting. First of all, he's like a California guy. He, I think he played at USC. He did. Um, and so, you know, he's got to be thrilled about this move to LA. There's a lot of hype around the team, all this stuff, and they've got to feel like they got their guy because they traded up to get Goff. So he has to be their guy moving forward. Um, I don't know. I, I I am a Jeff Fisher guy. I, I like Jeff Fisher. I, I like what he did. Most of that, though, is probably based off of his work with the Titans um, because, in reality, with the Rams, he took them from a terrible team to a decent team, but they haven't been able to kind of cross that threshold right. when they've had some of the pieces in place. So we'll kind of have to see how that all plays out. But um, I think Jeff Fisher, you know, he's in a good position in the sense that they weren't a terrible team last year and they still got the number one overall pick. But I think along with that, the expectations are going to be start to be really high. So they're going to need to see a step in the right direction this year. Whereas when you're drafting the number one overall quarterback, generally there's a little bit larger of a grace period, not necessarily, you know, to be drafting in the top five again, but people understand, you know, this team was terrible last year, blah, 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 blah. I think the hype around this team and the situation with their draft, I feel like they're going to really want um, – you know, a 500 or better season next year. Yeah, you would you expect it to be that way. And, uh, I don't they're know that they're going to get it. That's going to help them out there. Right. So um, we'll see. But moving on to the second pick, and we're not obviously going through the whole first round like this. We've got a lot of other stuff to do. But the first two picks are kind of important. Um, the second pick, like we talked about last week, we expected it to happen, and it did. The Eagles, after trading up with the Browns, stayed at two and took North Dakota State quarterback Carson Wentz. Obviously, quarterback of the future. Is he going to be quarterback now? I would say doubtful, depending. I mean, even though we don't know exactly what's going to happen with Bradford, and literally like a day after we were on here, and you said that Bradford would be the starting quarterback, that's when everything hit the fan, and he kind of was like, I want out. Now, that doesn't mean he's not going to be the starting quarterback, because there's millions, literally, of reasons that he should be the starting quarterback. But even if he would you know, hold out whatever, literally sit around and not do anything and, and forgo all that money. I still think Daniel will start, Chase Daniel, yeah. over Wentz. I mean, and you think of it, you're like, oh, man, they just brought in Chase Daniel. Yeah, but he was in the exact same system last year in Kansas City. Right. So he knows the offense. Yeah, he'll If be anyone's losing out, it's Sam Bradford. Definitely. Because Wentz is already there, you know, starting to get his, his feet on the ground. Um, Bradford is also learning a new system again, and I know that's not the ideal situation, but – 
He has every opportunity. He he was basically handed the wheel to this. Everybody wanted in Philly wanted him to be the guy this year, and he's basically saying no. Like he's taking his ball and going home. And Eagles are like, all right, but don't forget, at a certain time, we get to take the ball back. That's basically what's happening. I feel that he's getting really bad direction from his agent, right. or he's not listening I, to his agent. I've seen things of, like, it's unfair of the Eagles to paint him as a crybaby. No, Most he's doing of that, that was himself. him and his agent painting himself I, as a crybaby. I don't really understand. Like, you had to think that this is a possibility of happening. Right. What have you done? Like... What have you done ever to to say, you know what, you probably shouldn't draft a quarterback. Like, you don't need a quarterback. Like, a quarterback is not an area of need on this team. Like, at what point in his career, post-Oklahoma, and even there because he was injured all the time, has he been at a point where you're like, you know what, we really don't need a quarterback to, to take us to the next level. Like, I understand that it would be frustrating, but what argument does he have against it? Like, what, you know... Now, and if, where was he going to go? If he went, if he went into those like discussions and was like, and the Eagles had told him, "Look, we are not drafting a quarterback." Or do, all right, I'd be pretty mad if they told me they weren't going to draft a quarterback, you know. And then they ended up doing that. But we know that's not what happened. Like they may not have at the time. Obviously, they didn't know that they were going to get the number two pick. Like they didn't necessarily know that. But they, there's no reason to believe that they wouldn't have like look to get a quarterback at all like that's just silly and you know what if he plays well if he would have just taken it and played well they they still had him as the starter like if he plays well it's his he's only going to make himself more money but instead he's pouting and he'll be rewarded he'll get his money because he'll show up when he has to to get his money and you know he'll probably play part of this year and then the eagles will cut him or he'll get traded it interesting side note is that when it came up that you know, the Eagles may listen to offers if they're good enough. He, it came out that he said, don't trade me to San Francisco. I don't want to go to, to play for Chip Kelly. Well, now you're just limited. The beggars race. can't be choosers. Right. All right. But uh, I, also, I went out, but I don't want to go there. Well, that's not how it works in football. There aren't no trade clauses. Well, I mean, there, there can be, but they're rare. They're not, right. it's not like baseball Sam Bradford's not earning a no, a no trade clause basically. In, and also in like, and you can look at it. Is Bradford better than Kaepernick? Like Kaepernick's better for Kelly's system, right? No, oh, yeah. Why would why would Chip Kelly trade for him? Is a good question we should have asked a year ago. <laughs> but you know, it, it's just one of those things. That I don't get it. Where I, else I is he understand. gonna go? I mean, we said 49ers, the Broncos were the other option. The Jets, they don't right. want to pay Ryan Fitzpatrick. Right. Why are they gonna pay Sam Bradford? Right, right. and they, Fitzpatrick right. knows right. the system. If they're gonna pay someone, they might as well pay exactly. Fitzpatrick. Like, here's the thing: you were a free agent. You were a free agent. You had the chance to go anywhere you wanted to go. You chose to resign with the Eagles, either out of necessity or out of want. And I believe it was probably more necessity, right? Because he wasn't going to get that money from a lot of other teams. And then look what happens. Like he thought, this let's just call it, this is how I see it. And I think this is pretty close to what happened. He and his agent thought the Eagles were in a bad position. And they took advantage and got a lot of money. Right, because they know the Eagles weren't able to. They were in the middle of the draft. They weren't able to kind of get their guy last year, Mariota, like all this stuff. New coach coming in. Oh, they hired. You know, they they're going to bring in Chase Daniel. All this stuff. Well, all of a sudden, it's not a problem for the Eagles because they were able to trade up to the two spot, and so the guy who had all the power was was Sam Bradford and his agent. 
they signed the deal, and now the Eagles are like, that's fine. We're still drafting a quarterback number two. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, like, you're offended. Well, I'm offended that you're taking so much money and you're not that good. Like, that's – he could he be good? Yes. And and I was the proponent of that last year, and that's somewhat of my frustrating level with some of the Eagles fans with the second pick. A lot of them don't like Sam Bradford, and yet now they're like – well, kind of, until he's throwing the hissy fit. They're kind of like, oh, well, they don't like the guy they're drafting either. All right, so you're mad at the Eagles for not going up and getting somebody, but you're mad at them for taking somebody else. Like, but whatever. It's Philly sports. It's, uh, this is what we're come to expect, and we're, we're long a part of it, but we're usually on the spectrum. It's, why, it's it. why when one of our friends, Greg, he'll ask, Did you, were you listening to whatever Philly sports radio? No. no. Like, I can't listen to Philly sports radio. No, you can't. I'll listen, listen to, to national sports radio. Like, And even that I have to turn off sometimes because I'm just like, I don't care about that enough to listen. But like the Philly sports radio, I just can't stand listening and hearing everyone just complain about everything. Like, everything. Well, none of the hosts really are dear – no, themselves I, to well, me, to and that, that's part of the problem. Like, because they just fuel on the right, whole. Like, exactly. Yeah, the, you know, this is terrible. Blah blah blah. Whatever. So Wentz to the Eagles. He's the twenty seventh North Dakota State player to ever be drafted, but he's the first ever to make it into the first round. And not too many uh, of the twenty six previous players taken um, have been very notable in the NFL. Probably the, the best and brightest, the most noteworthy is someone that uh, Rich should be well aware of, and that was linebacker Steve Nelson, was an NDSU alum. He was drafted by the Patriots in 1974 in the second, early second round, and he's been 14 seasons with the team. So that's the the best uh, North Dakota State player since, and I know the Eagles fans are hoping that Carson Wentz rewrites uh, that history book for him. And he's joining three current NDSU players in the NFL um, offensive tackle Billy Turner, who's with the Dolphins, and he's entering his third season. Uh, last year, uh, linebacker Kyle Emanuel was taken by the Chargers, and uh, currently I'm also playing for the Chargers. <laughs> so uh, I'm an NDSU alum. Um, no, linebacker Joe Mays, no relation, uh, was actually drafted by the Eagles and yeah. has bounced around the league and was most recently with the Chargers, but he is from North Dakota State as well. This is the seventh time since 1970 that quarterbacks have gone 1-2 in the draft, and... Um, if anyone wants to uh, write or call in right now and tell me the other years, you know, go ahead because I have them listed here and we can, we can give it away. But if anyone's out there writing and wants to uh, give it a shot, uh, some of them were pretty easy. There's always going to be one or two that got lost in the shuffle. Um, and obviously the most recent ones are the easiest ones. Um, but it happened in back-to-back years now twice, obviously. Uh, 2015 last season, Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota went this year. We saw Goff and Wentz. And then just a few years ago in 2012, we saw Andrew, Andrew Luck and Robert Griffin. And it had been a while. 1999 yeah. was the previous time, and uh, the Eagles fans are well aware of that one. Tim Couch and Donovan McNabb. Then just a year before that was probably the biggest um, one-two, at least that I can recall, in Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf. Go back a few years, and we come upon that Patriots quarterback that you referenced just a few minutes ago, Drew, Ble- Drew Bledsoe and Rick Meyer. And then the first time, way back in 1971, Jim Plunkett and Archie Manning. Yeah. So when, when you look at it um, kind of overall, it, it's kind of interesting. And There's you know, one winner and one loser. Right, one winner and one loser. And 2015 is obviously way too soon. Way too early, yeah. But, I mean, Plunkett and Manning is probably, when you compare them two, that's probably the best two 
Yeah. That both, like, there wasn't one bad and one right. really good. Plunkett and Manning were both certain. Now, Manning, I don't believe, ever made the playoffs, but that no. wasn't really his fault. Right. Either. Everyone kind of writes it off because he. everybody, I, is he in the Hall of Fame? I don't think so. I don't think he is, but everybody talks about how he's a great player who is always on terrible teams. Yeah, but Jim Plunkett, obviously, incredible right. player. Um, but I don't think it worked. I don't think he was drafted by the team that he was actually played for most of his career. I don't know that. I think yeah, he ended up. Be, you could be I think he ended up being be better right. later on. Um, but Bledsoe and Meyer. I mean, everyone you would take Bledsoe over mm-hmm. Meyer if you're looking back what they did. Same thing with Manning and Leaf. That's the easiest one. Couch and McNabb also incredibly easy. It's still early, but it's looking like Luck Griffin. You clearly right. want to have have Luck, uh, and then Winston Mariota too early, and obviously haven't played a single snap yet. Is Goff and Wentz, um, but it does appear that other than maybe Couch McNabb, the number one pick right. was the but better pick. Let's let's be clear: the one time where the second pick was better. It was the Eagles. <laughs> you're right. You're right. And maybe, you know, 10 years, 15 years from now, we'll be looking back on Goff Wentz and being like, man, Jeff Fisher, you should have taken Carson Wentz. I hope. I hope. I hope this is the the move that – this sounds terrible, but I hope this is the move that makes um, – puts the Eagles over the top and – Actually, I don't even care. If the Rams are good, too, like, that's fine. Like, I'm okay with them both working out. Yeah, as and long or as Wentz working yeah. out. Right. All right, so after the quarterbacks one and two, the craziness kind of began because we knew quarterbacks were going one right. and two. Then what was going to happen at three with the Chargers? Because they could have gone in multiple different directions. They went with Joey Bosa from Ohio surprise. State, who we talked about last week on the show, just – we think that he's overrated. Right. We don't think that he's going to do that much in the NFL. We don't get the comparisons with J.J. Watt he's whatsoever. A, he's a great college player. I think he'll be a fine defensive player, but I I don't think he's going to be the impact you would expect out of a number three draft pick. I know. From what I was t- reading, Honestly, a lot of I people... I would feel he'd be more in line with production-wise with like a third-round draft pick. Um, that's me. That's me, and he could prove me wrong out there. You went to the Chargers 3-4 team, so he's going to have to play standing up, linebacker. He's not playing defensive end. Who's he going to cover? I just... Yeah, and they already had um, um, Jeremiah Ateachu and Melvin Ingram out there, so he's going to be in a rotation probably, Maybe and maybe he'll beat one of them out as a rookie, whatever. But I just I just don't see it. I don't see him being the third choice. And they, they need an offensive line. I mean, they need a lot of help out in San Diego, and I just don't know that Bosa was the answer. Um, then at four, we saw the Cowboys. We thought they'd debate between uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Jalen Ramsey, um, maybe a quarterback, although... After those two went, you probably weren't going to be taking um, any of the other guys available at four. Um, And they went with the running back from Ohio State, Ezekiel Elliott. And again, that's well, he's a great running back. He's a great running back. A lot of people have him as one of the best running backs to come out in a long time. However, I feel like it's been a little overlooked at the fact that, all right, so yeah. Uh, DeMarco Murray left, and everybody at first was like, it doesn't matter who they put behind that line because um, the line's so good, anybody could run there. There might be some truth to that. However, we didn't really get to see that last year because Romo was hurt. And when Romo's hurt and then they couldn't run, they're like, oh, no, look, we lost DeMarco Murray. What happened? No, what happened was your quarterback got hurt, and you couldn't complete a pass. Right. When Brandon Whedon's your quarterback, yeah, you're going to need a good run. You're going to have back. nine guys in the box. And you're going to need Barry Sanders or Emmitt Smith back there now. And that just wasn't the case. Um, and honestly, I don't know that that would have helped him last year because Brandon Whedon still would have been the quarterback. Right. Um, ironically, Brandon Whedon ended up making the playoffs. But <laughs> he did. 
so when we look at this, um, you know, yeah, you're going to put a great college running back and a really high prospect behind arguably the best line in the NFL. So you would expect good things. Romo should be back. However, if Romo's healthy, couldn't you have put like a third-round running back or a free agent running back back there and use that pick on something else like, you know, a tackle to help even add to that offensive line? Or arguably some people had him as the best player in the draft, Jalen Ramsey, to help you in your secondary so you're not getting scored on all the time. Or defensive line. That's what we talked about right, them needing. Where they're already losing some of the guys that they had last year, some of their biggest DeForest contributors. DeForest Buckner, we talked about. Um, Greg Hardy will not be back, according to. Right. Uh, well, that's. I don't think that's now, a big loss. He didn't do much for them last no, year. No, but just yeah, you, you just. It's one of those things where they had other areas where they could make a large impact, and I think if you look at the pieces they have already, you know, could they have gotten something else? They didn't. They went Ezekiel Elliott though, and. I think that's going to be a great thing, but did they miss out on really helping themselves somewhere else? Like I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Jalen Ramsey went to the Jaguars at five. We're going to talk more about uh, Ramsey and the Jags a little bit later. And then six, the Ravens. And this is where it got started to get interesting because of what had happened just before the draft started with one of, if not the best, uh, prospect in the draft, one of them in Ole Miss offensive tackle Laramie Tunsil, offensive tackle. Ravens needed help there, but they, instead of going for Tunsil, they went with Notre Dame's Ronnie Stanley, and reportedly, now Harbaugh won't, you know, won't say whether this is true or not. He danced around it in the interview that I watched. Tunsil was on the board. A lot of people think he should have been the pick, but he wasn't because of what happened prior to the draft, where a video was released that you know, just showcases the off the field issues and red flags that many teams found, or you didn't really have to look that hard. They were out there on Larry Tunsil before the draft, causing him to fall all the way from six, perhaps even higher. You don't know. Maybe the Chargers were thinking of taking him at three. They need offensive line help, but he fell all the way to my Dolphins at thirteen. Um, probably putting an exclamation point on what was happening was when the Titans moved back up to eight. With the Browns, who had gotten it through the Eagles, who had gotten it through the Dolphins. Um, and they took a tackle, but they took Jack Conklin, who as many thought was the third best tackle behind Tunsil and Stanley. So a team moved up to get a tackle and passed on one guy that they a lot of people thought was right. the best when, player in the when draft. When the Titans moved up, everybody's like, this is incredible. It's working out that they were able to trade out of number one, move up, and still get arguably the best player in the draft in some people's views. And then they take Jack Conklin, who everybody they like. They still like him, but he's yeah. The third tackle, right? And everybody's like, "Oh, okay." okay then. That, right. That's when the talk of how far is this going to go? Well, is I, he going to get drafted tonight? That that became a legitimate question at that point after that Titans pick. For him, it didn't last that long. Just five no. more picks. The Dolphins stopped the slide at thirteen. Um, possibly getting the best player in the draft. Obviously, we won't know that for a long time, and it's hard to uh, gauge the impact of an offensive right. lineman, but. Not a lot, a lot else to say about it. Um, you know, he, it just he, got worse for him well, after the draft, though. It just after got the worse. draft, he and, talked about Ole Miss. Uh, did well, he take money from so, coaches to right. play? It's an and, interesting thing because he sat out seven games this past year yep. because of investigation, quote unquote, right? Improper benefits. Yep. So he was obviously coached to be able to answer that question because you know you're going to have it. 
what he was, I believe, completely unaware of was another leak of the text. This is at that time, anyway, that he's sitting in front of the media that are showing some rather specifics that look like basically getting paid by Ole Miss to play. And we won't get into all those details, but basically specifics on it. So he's up there, apparently coached to kind of own his mistakes, which I get. That's, it's a better strategy than lying because the truth's going to come out anyway. But I think I don't think his agent and him and his PR coach or whoever prepared weren't prepared for the media to actually have details on stuff, and they're up there, and it becomes awkward he was, in a yeah, hurry. Yeah, he was ushered off the stage. Right. The Dolphins actually introduced him the next day, and they had to, they had to delay it delay and a... postpone it because <laughs> he was having an allergic reaction. So it was just crazy. Yeah. And just the thing, I'm so proud of my Dolphins. I have no problem with them taking him. And I said when we were watching it together with my dad Thursday night, I hope the Dolphins take him because – you know, How can you not? He's arguably the best player. There's in the question marks around him, but there's a question marks out of probably two, three out of five guys coming into the draft because everyone has a red flag somewhere. Now, whether it's out in right. the open or not, everyone has drawbacks on and off the field. But if they can get him, someone to take care of him, he could be the steal of the draft, even though he was taking the top 15 picks. Right. Now, he fell from at least 6 to 13, possibly 3 to 13, um, six to thirteen costs him seven million dollars to drop oh. from the Ravens pick at well, six to the Dolphins at who 13. Who knows? Because a lot of this stuff supposedly wasn't all that new. So if the teams knew about it, maybe that's one of the reasons the Titans were trading out of one. You know, was because they knew, look, he's not going one and we don't want him at one. You know, like right. um and maybe that's why the Browns now the Browns don't you know, they need help everywhere too. But you know, maybe that's part of the reason they're they're teams were willing to trade back. So you have a top talent who went 13th. Um, not as big as some of the drops that we've seen, but um, you know, still still a big one for uh, Laramie Tunsil. And I feel, I feel bad for him because it doesn't appear as any of the stuff was like actually happening right before the draft. It just, that's when it was. Yeah, I heard out. the video. And it's really weird that like the instant it's breaking, TMZ is also releasing in like his stepdad who sued, who sued him. Saying oh, I didn't do it, or, I don't know anything about it. Right. Like it's just weird, and I do feel bad for him. I hope he can move past it, but he does have to address some of these things that have constantly come up. Don't make, don't get me wrong. Some of the stuff is supposedly from four years ago. Well, or I so, saw the video it was two to five years. He was old. still he was still sitting out seven games this right, year right. for things, yep. and was had was arrested last summer. You know, not that all those things are in his control, but there's definitely lots of things he you need to iron out, and. Miami needs to make sure and needs to be confident that they can do that. And if they can, then I love the pick. Absolutely love the pick. And if they don't really have a plan for that, then that was kind of reckless on their part. But I'm sure they have something in the works. The last thing I want to say about Tunsil is I put on him, obviously, the the smoking and the the drug right. use and the the alcohol and, and the mishaps with the apartment and, you know, like yeah. being that, a, a, involved in that incident that's and all, all that kind you. of stuff. That's you. That's a you decision. I mean, and it's still you for taking the money, but I don't put any blame on the players. If, if the college institution is illegally offering right. you stuff, whether it's well, and cars let's be honest, or direct money— that is not a Laramie Tunsil problem no, anymore. No, I don't. I, that, that is an Ole Miss and Hugh Freeze problem. That's not especially, a red flag to me. Especially one that was under the magnifying glass already. Right. Ole Miss is in a lot of trouble. He might not want to go back there to tailgate anytime soon, but... I don't put any of that not, on him. It's not him. We it, know that that's rampant in the SEC. 
Oh my gosh! And yeah. it probably is elsewhere too. But right. everyone always talks about the SEC, right. almost like tongue in, tongue in cheek, like right. kind of like laughing it off. Right. Like you know it what it reminds me of it all reminds the time. Me of, it reminds me of the early '90s when players were showing up, a la like Lenny Dykstra, who were just like their muscles one season are just like breaking their uniforms, and everybody just kind of laughs and he's like, "Yeah." Wink, wink. Right. And everybody laughed about it. And then, like, 10 years later, everybody's, like, holier than now. Like, oh, that was your disgrace to the game. You guys were loving it, eating it all up. Like, what happened? You know, that's kind of how it goes. Everybody knows it's happening, not just in the SEC, but it's definitely rampant there. And, and, you know, all of a sudden, you're just like, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. All right, moving from the prospects to the teams let's talk about our winners and losers and i pulled out i think 10 teams that i thought were winners one of them is going to get my award for best draft this year again you're not going to hear many of the teams that we usually talk about none of them are in the loser section just you know putting that out there right now um and the one you will hear about is you know has a bit of a caveat to it a little asterisk um because i think it's probably the last one i put in there but i think their draft was very high risk, but could be huge reward in the end. Uh, so let's pull that up right here now. If you're watching on Ustream live, you'll see the logos pop up of nine of the ten teams. These are the ones that I thought did themselves pretty good. And you'll also notice that none of them really are, at least recently, perennial contenders. Right. So you're seeing so, – and it kind of makes sense. If you're picking earlier in the draft, you should be picking better players. But obviously we know that doesn't always work that way. But I think this year some of them did really, really well. And just a quick run through them here, the Buffalo Bills, the Cincinnati Bengals, probably the best of, of the bunch that we're talking about here, the Cleveland Browns, the Chicago Bears, the Dallas Cowboys, the Detroit Lions, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the New Orleans Saints – and the Washington Redskins. Now, you as an Eagles fan, probably not thrilled yeah. about hearing two fellow NFC East teams mentioned. But the Cowboys are the one that I'm, I was borderline on it. So we'll, let's talk about them briefly here. Um, just to put a bow on their draft. We talked about, obviously, they took Ezekiel Elliott at four. That's one of the reasons that I think, I think it's a great pick. He was worthy of a top ten pick. The way the running back has been had been trending, top five may be hard to swallow, but a lot of people really thought he was the real deal and better than anything Dallas has had uh, in a long time. So I can't hate it. Very high ceiling for that, especially if the offensive line and Romo's return could really unleash him. Bad news for uh, the NFC. Their next pick. The key there will be Romo. Right? Well, yeah, yeah, and definitely. That's, that's and for and the whoever Cowboys takes over for him. Correct, correct, which we'll talk about in a second. Then their next pick, early second round, 34th overall, I think it was the third pick in the second round. They rolled the dice with Jalen Smith. Again, another guy who, you know, if he would have finished his season healthy at Notre Dame, um, got through the bowl game without the tr- catastrophic knee injury that he suffered, would have been a top 10 pick. A lot of people thought he was one of the best players in the entire draft. Yeah, the quote here is, I thought he could be Luke Keekley at the next level. You know, like, just meaning he could be that and dominant. And Luke Keekley is an amazing player right. for the Panthers. Dominant linebacker. Uh, he, he's a three-down player, um, but he is not expected to play this year as he recovers from torn a- ACL, There's no MCL, chance he's going to play this year. And it's not just the ligaments, but there's also significant nerve damage, and that was the big thing. Now, the Cowboys doctor is the one that performed the surgery, yeah. so they had a lot of inside information. Smith's brother also plays for the Cowboys, so there's a lot of connections going on. But Jalen Smith... 
taken by the Cowboys out of Notre Dame. Stud linebacker for them. He'll be roaming all over along the outside as long as he fully heals, and we hope that he does. Um, you know, at least from a personal standpoint, well, yeah, not you, in a fan hope, rooting standpoint, right, you right. want him to get back the way he was. But, right, exactly. Um, you no, know, you do, you do. Personal hope for stories, him. you hope Absolutely. that he gets back. Because you know everything you've heard about him, uh, great guy. And you know, I hate on Notre Dame so much because I can't stand the program. But the players they produce deserve everything Did that they see, get. This year's Fiesta Bowl produced nineteen drafted players. Yeah, between Ohio think State about and Notre that, Dame. and and we're only well, was that this year? Yeah, that was this year's. Mm-hmm. That was this year's game. So think about like that. There could be like a couple years worth of players to come from that. That's insane. That is insane. Nineteen players from one one game like that, and that was a non-playoff game. So after getting a stud offensive player, a um, future stud at the linebacker position, they finally get their tackle and end in Malik Collins and Charles Tapper, and then possibly maybe finding their quarterback of the future in Dak Prescott. Uh, he could have possibly gone higher. He did have that recent off-the-field issue with a DUI yeah, arrest. I think, I think it was more of his play this year that kind of allowed him to drop. Last year, he was kind of ended the year with things rising along with Mississippi State, and then they kind of took a step back this year, and I feel like he did too. Um, he shows flashes. Right, but I, I don't know. And to be a pro quarterback, you're going to need to show more than flashes. So uh, he's got a long way to go, but you know, especially in, in the fourth round, um, it's it's worth it's worth taking that pick. If Romo can stay healthy and Prescott can oh. just learn. Yeah, they, yeah they have, he has a chance. Pretty. He will right. have a chance. Now, the Cowboys went and added Anthony Brown, a cornerback, and Kavon Frazier, a strong safety, so they filled in their DB needs. They added another special teamer. Um, returner type guy in Darius Jackson from Eastern Michigan and they finished with a project at tight end Rico Gathers who has big not target. played football since he was 13 right. he's a basketball player right. uh, and but he's could he big. is he next Antonio Gates type player he's or big. Jimmy Graham right so uh that Rico Gathers Six, tight eight. end from Baylor <laughs> um so I think top heavy high risk high reward I have them penciled in as a winner again they were my last one uh but if and always a big if when you're talking the day after the draft concludes, if they hit on those first two guys, or and or even throw in Prescott, this is a home run. Right. That's why I have so, to give them. I think I give them a nod as a winner. Their first two picks, they could they could have looking maybe two three years from now, the two best players in the draft in their top two. Quite picks. possibly. Like you know, and that's incredible to think about. All right, one of the other winners, the Buffalo Bills. I just like their first four picks um, for when they took them and when. Uh, Shaq Lawson, they needed uh, pass rush help, uh, depending on how, what type of alignment they use. Four three three four. Lawson will be that pass rush they need. They perhaps got the steal of the uh, the early second round in Reggie Ragland, who a lot of people thought could go in the first round. He's a stud inside linebacker from Alabama. Uh, he'll be an immediate starter. And Adolphus Washington, defensive lineman, big guy, also could step in right away. So you got three potential starters in your first three pits. Uh, that's incredible. And there was talk that they might be looking quarterback early, and they sat and waited on Cardell Jones, who's obviously a development guy. He was third string at Ohio State two years ago until all the injuries with Braxton Miller and JT Barrett. And uh, he, he lit it up at times. He's obviously still immature, and uh, he's got a lot of work to do as a passer. But you're taking him in the fourth round. You have um, other guys up there that can step in. He's a developmental guy. I think those first four picks, and then also add, adding uh, Colby Listenby, who's c- quite possibly the fastest player in the draft and possibly in the NFL, to pair with um, Marquise Goodwin up there. Um, 
I think Buffalo had a good draft. Yeah, I, I think so too. And again, when you wait to until Saturday to make that quarterback pick, if it doesn't pan out, especially right away, you're no okay. No one's going to care. You're okay. Like If he's not dressing for games this year, I don't think anyone even expects him to be dressing for games this year. That's okay. He was your fourth-round pick. You need him to learn. And he's got some physical talent there. They just need to kind of get him in a system. Now, is Rex the guy to do that? No, obviously not him personally, but he's not shown a history of being able to develop quarterbacks the way that they should. I know he's not the offensive guy there, but it comes back to the head coach. You need a guy in place that's going to make those guys develop. So it'll be interesting to see if they can put someone in place or if they have the guys in place to kind of develop Cardell Jones. Because if they do, the, the talent is there. It's just kind of getting it developed. The Bengals are another team I thought did really well. Their first pick was William Jackson III from Houston, a cornerback. They've taken a lot of corners early recently, but in a passing league, you need as many as you can get. You also have to face Ben Roethlisberger, Joe Flacco, and I'm not even going to mention anyone the Browns have, but the elite in the AFC, obviously, you've got to sometimes take care of Andrew Luck in the passing attack. You've got to take care right. of Brady in their passing attack because uh, they pretty much throw every play. So having more corners is a bad thing, and obviously um, you're going to have injuries and free agency every year after year. So William Jackson, a great oh, pick by the Bengals. and your defensive backs keep getting suspended. So. Right, true, also. And then they came back and added a receiver in Tyler Boyd, who was a fringe first-round possibility, pairing him with A.J. Green. Right. That should be we, incredible, replacing Mohamed Sanu. Right. We talked about Boyd. Um what I really like about that type of pick, actually, no, uh, sorry, I did. We did this with Will Fuller and Houston, yeah, you're right. but I feel the same way about this. Tyler Boyd, I don't see him as a number one wide receiver in the NFL, especially right now. Doesn't need to How, be. However, when you're going to line up across from AJ Green, all of a sudden, you are better because you're not going to see their their number one guy unless you're playing against a system where the guy stays on one side. Yeah, I get that, but you're not going to get the the most attention on defense. Or from the defense. And now you've also helped your best wide receiver on the team. So it's like improving your number one guy and helping out your number two guy because you have a guy in place. You right. Know, a perfect scenario. I don't think he's a number one wide receiver material right now, but under you know, studying under AJ Green or someone like that, he can develop and maybe take the reins from him down the road. But he's exactly what they need outside now. They need additional threats, legitimate other threats, and I think he can certainly be that, and definitely when he's lined up across from A.J. Green. They recently re- released uh, A.J. Hawk, and they brought in his, possibly his replacement in Nick Vigil in round three. Uh, solid pick. Don't have too much to say about that. It's the next two that I thought I really— I didn't know A.J. Hawk was still playing. <laughs> next two picks that I thought set the Bengals up as being one of the better, and that was them taking Andrew Billings, the defensive yes. tackle from Baylor, and Christian Westerman, offensive lineman from Arizona State. Both guys expected to go second, maybe third round, and he lasted the fourth and the right. fifth. Both guys should challenge for playing time right away. Now, they have a little bit of depth of that defensive line. That Billings could be a rotational guy. Uh, Gino but Atkins, also obviously, older the stud on the there. Line, so, and they tend to get injuries, so he'll get in there and he's going to contribute. But, I mean, he's not going to be a pass rush specialist, but when you need him to clog up the middle, Billings will do that. I don't know, like when you're going against Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> True. Yeah. And then Westerman, I think, will have the chance to start right away at guard or possibly even center uh, for the Bengals. And uh, I, I just thought they had a, they had a good uh, weekend. Yeah, no, I agree. And and you want to talk about a team? You you said most of these teams are drafting high. They're the closest thing to a contender. Well, them in Dallas, really. Here, you know, year in and year out. So you look at this; it's it's kind of interesting to see how that plays out. Um, 
you know, because they're a piece or two away. Everyone thought last year was the year they were doing great, and then the quarterback breaks his hand after he throws an interception. Just, it's tough. Now, the Browns are a team that not often mentioned in this. Um, they made a ton of picks. I think they did well with the picks. They have a lot of picks ready for next year. Just just imagine what this is going to be like at camp, though. I mean, they got 15. I don't know, it's not quite 15. But there's a ton of picks that they have here. Maybe it is 15 picks. I think it's 14. 14 yeah. or 15. But I, I think the ones, especially at the beginning, that they made were great picks. Yes, yes. Corey Coleman, the wide receiver from they Baylor. Has just been electric the last few years in that system. He's going to a place without, you know, an answer a quarterback right now. But they needed someone because all their guys keep leaving or being suspended. Right. So I thought Coleman was a great pick. He's compares to Antonio Brown. So if he's able to develop, they have a great one there. Then they took uh, with the first pick of the second round, Emmanuel Ogba from Oklahoma State. They needed a pass rush. He'll be able to do that. They doubled down them with our boy Carl Nassib from Penn yeah. State Who in the third they were round. They also excited about. Well, the Browns fans I talked to were really excited because I told him, look. You His know, work ethic's through the charts. And that's what I said. And if you look at the Browns' history, they've had plenty of guys with tons of talent that haven't worked out. What they haven't had are the guys who – the natural talent. Obviously, these guys are being drafted in the NFL. There's a high level of natural talent there. But they need the guy who's just going to come in and work really hard for everything he gets. And that is definitely Carl Nassib. And so the guys I talked to were really excited about that pick, especially where they were able to get him. They were able to get an offensive tackle in Sean Coleman in round three. And his story was interesting. He actually was there at the draft, I believe two years ago to announce a pick as a, uh, someone who has fought cancer through St. Jude's, which yeah. the NFL and the draft has had ties to. And here he is hearing his name called at the draft going to the Browns in the third round. Then the next pick and probably one of the last ones we'll talk about the Browns was Cody Kessler. It was a highly ranked quarterback at USC never lit it up like some of the past Trojans quarterbacks have, but it's already been stated he's coming in with a chance to win the job outright. Yeah. And honestly, Cody Kessler USC's failings the last few years have hurt him. Um, Cause he is a big time quarterback, but um they're not being able to figure out the coaching situation and some other guys underperforming. Cody Kessler has a chance. I, like, I like that pick for them. And honestly, looking at – he has RG3 there, and who knows what that's going to be. But I definitely – he could definitely be the number two quarterback if RG3 is your starter, you know, assuming week one and see how that plays out. But I like the Cody Kessler pick, again, especially where you were able to get him. The, the last two guys with the Browns to talk about, Spencer Drango, one time thought to be one of the best offensive tackles in college football. He fell off a bit. The Baylor system catches up to you. You're not going to play like yeah. that in the NFL. He's going to move inside most likely with uh, the Browns, but I think he's someone to watch. And then the last pick by the Browns, one of my favorite players in the draft because of who they compare him to, Scooby Wright the third from Arizona. Zach Thomas is the one thrown out there because he's a small guy. He's only six foot. He's under 240. Uh, so that size limitations that are out there but he is a he is a player he's a playmaker he's a football guy i think he's gonna latch on i think he's gonna be a good player that's a perfect example too of a guy with not necessarily all the physical like measurements that you would expect for a guy but a guy whose heart is going to win over cleveland or has the potential to if he can get on the field and make some plays the chicago bears i thought had a good top of the draft they went leonard floyd in round one uh, pass rusher from Georgia, Cody Whitehead, the guard from Kansas State, and Jonathan Bullard, the tackle from Florida. All three guys talked about very highly expected 
um, first, late first, into the second. Well, Buller survived to the third, and they got him. Those three picks are the reason I thought the Bears were winners there. We already talked about the Cowboys, but I thought the Lions also had themselves a pretty good day. They got the offensive line help they needed in Taylor Decker. They stole Ashawn oh Robinson. Gosh, yes. What an incredible pick by them. Uh, and I also want to mention that they doubled down at the tackle position and got our boy Anthony Zettel Who's from going Penn home. State. He's a Michigan guy, right. so I'm really happy for uh, him. But those first two picks, I mean, Taylor Decker, that's a fine pick. You know, yeah. first rounder, he deserved to go in the first. That's a fine yeah. pick. But the Ashawn Robinson really could the, be one of the steals. Halfway through the second round, that's, a, that's a great pick. of the draft. Uh, Jaguars, who won, possibly the team I wanted the name as my winner um, because they got, honestly, two of the top five players in the entire draft. And Jalen Ramsey, the cornerback from Florida State, and Miles Jack, Both on the, the linebacker side from UCLA. Too. So it'll be interesting. They've added some offensive pieces over the last few years, but obviously they're confident with their offensive pieces because if you look, first round or first pick, cornerback, second pick, linebacker, third pick, defensive end, fourth pick, tackle, tackle, sixth pick, linebacker, linebacker. sixth or their seventh pick in the sixth round, they picked up a quarterback. And then round seven was a defensive, a defensive end. end. So they went all defense except for a developmental quarterback. And they even say in the pick analysis that we're looking at here uh, about uh, Chad and the, the Jaguars quarterback situation. About Chad Henney has made a ton of money as a backup, but the Jags need to start planning for life after the Henney era. Uh, and uh, talk about Allen has experience in the pro system. So Allen's obviously the developmental guy. He'll be the third string emergency quarterback. He'll be the, the uh, practice squad type guy. Right. Um, he's not going to beat out Chad. That's not what they got him for. But they have him as insurance for the future when Chad is gone. Who knows uh, how much longer Chad will be playing. He signed a two-year contract with the Jaguars, um, so hopefully he'll be able to finish that out with them. But I just think looking at the top, especially the first four picks, Ramsey and Jack were just home runs. Yeah. And as long as Miles Jack stays healthy. Supposedly it came out like before the second round that he won't need microfracture surgery, right. at least right now. So that's huge. So uh, he was one of my flav- favorite players in the entire draft, and the Jaguars got him in the and second round. It, especially his first year at UCLA, he lined up everywhere. They'd put him at running back. Yeah. They'd put him at well, he's like, just athletic end. freak. Put, so. Right, it was it was awesome. And then the two defensive linemen they got uh, Ngakwe from Maryland and Day from Notre Dame got the 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 big yeah. big middle guy right. and the rush on the end. Right. I just Sheldon Day. Again, I hate to give the Notre Dame guys credit, but when they when it's deserved, I really like Sheldon Day. I think that's a solid pick in terms of value for what they were able to get and where they were able to get it and kind of add two pieces that they have already. We talked about the Browns who had 14 or 15 picks. On the flip side of that were the Saints who only made five selections all weekend. But I think they did a lot with what they had. Their, especially their first three picks, I thought, were slam dunks. Sheldon Rankins, they've always had trouble with defensive linemen down there. Rankins out of Louisville was one of the best ta- defensive tackles in the draft, and they got him with the 12th pick. They came back with two Ohio State guys back-to-back in round two with the 16th pick and the 30th pick in, in the second round. They went with Michael Thomas, who is going to have to uh, attempt to replace the departure of um, their uh, go-to guy over the years in um, – Oh, now I just blanked on his name. <laughs> was it Colston? Yeah, Marcus Colston. And then uh, Von Bell, uh, the, the defensive back from Ohio State. A lot of people thought he would be going much earlier in the second round. He was one of the final picks of the second round. Uh, but those top three guys from the Saints, I thought uh, they did themselves with the few resources. I thought they did quite well. And then the last one was the Redskins. 
Uh, they got a receiving threat for Kirk Cousins and Josh Doxson. They grabbed another one of my favorite guys. You know, these West Coast linebackers are kind of a hybrid athletic freaks. And Miles Jack, who went to the Jaguars um, from uh, UCLA, but Sua Cravens from USC is kind of this new age, um, too fast to always play linebacker, but too too big and strong to always be strong safety. He's this hybrid guy, but I really like him, and the Redskins took him, thankfully, before the Patriots, because supposedly New England was about to pounce <laughs> on that. Washington took him in the second round. They also got Kendall Fuller, who was really, I thought, more of a fringe first-round guy. He's the fourth Fuller brother to be in the NFL. Uh, he could be, end up being one of the best as long as he stays healthy. That's why he dropped to the third round. Um, they also got themselves a backup quarterback in Nate Sudfeld and a nice running back in Keith Marshall from Georgia, who lasted to the seventh round. So another team I thought did well was the Redskins. But none of those teams were my overall winner. And my overall winner is actually the team that had the <clears throat> number one pick in the draft before trading it away. And we talked to them, about them previously during the Laramie Tunsil, um, whatever you want to call that situation, um, when we talked about the Titans taking Jack Conklin. So getting him to shore up the offensive line, they now have Conklin and Taylor Lewan there to shore up the um, bookends and keep Marcus Mariota upright. They came back in the second round and added Kevin Dodd, a great pass rusher from Clemson. Then they added another a Penn Stater, Austin Johnson, a big guy, probably a two-down guy, but he will help in run defense, and he gets to pair with uh, Daquan Jones, also right. his, uh, I think, mentor at Penn State. And then possibly easily one of the best picks in the draft, their third second-round pick, Pick 45 overall, they went with Heisman Trophy winner Derrick Henry from Alabama, and he could easily start for the Titans immediately over DeMarco Murray, who they traded for. That's so funny. DeMarco's got to be pretty unhappy. He probably never should have left Dallas. Things could be quite different if he hadn't. But now you got Mario in the second year. you got a young offensive line. You add Derrick Henry to the mix. You also have um, the big uh, receiving threat that they added last year, um, and the guy, uh, Doyle Greenbeckham. And then you look at the defense, they added Dodd and Johnson to a team that showed at times some flashes, but obviously being the number one pick, the, t- the unit overall wasn't that great. I don't think they're going to be much this year, but I think they're definitely building. I think this draft was a, a great a great step forward for them. Um I, I just I just really like the first four picks. You know, it, it it's tough to really gauge what's happening um, in the fifth, sixth, and seventh round. You know, th- that's low risk, high reward there. But the first four: Conklin, Dodd, Johnson, and Henry. I thought the Titans did absolutely what they needed to do. Yeah, absolutely. So when when you look at those guys, they got help exactly where they need it, and you add that to the pieces they've been able to add last year, um, and you. Again, the expectations are going to be high there that they can start to turn things around. And that'll be interesting to kind of see how that plays out because Indianapolis, you know, supposedly should be getting better. And then the next one, you have uh, Houston, who made the playoffs last year. And the Jaguars were also in our right. top, uh, you know, of amongst the winners in, in the uh, draft here. So. Yeah, I think the AFC South is radically improving and we see that a few years back the nfc west was a laughing stock and all of a sudden the seahawks and 
49ers jumped up to the top. The 49ers fell off, but then the Cardinals came up to the top. Right. Now the Rams took the number one overall pick and got a quarterback. So you see the NFC West from laughingstock to great. Then it was the AFC South. Everyone's making fun of them. Now they're starting to rise back up. Well, I think the division that's going to be back at the bottom soon, and this is surprising after this last year, uh, is the NFC South. I don't like much of what's going on in the South. We did talk about the Saints, who I thought had a good draft, but I thought their other three teams – in that division did not help themselves or at least as much as the saints did. And some of the other teams, uh, I wasn't as high as Keanu Neal, who the Falcons took at pick 17. He's a safety out of Florida. Um, I, I just look at some of their picks. Nothing jumped out to me that just said, wow, they made some big improvements. Uh, they didn't fill all the needs. Um, that were they were expected to. They didn't add any defensive linemen. They only added one offensive lineman and no guys that I'm like really yeah, like. One they're offensive gonna... lineman from a team that had a terrible offensive line. Like I don't get that, but I just I don't see them making massive improvements. And they they started the year strong and they faded. I this could be the could this be the end of Matt Ryan and uh, you know the another new head coach. I, I don't know. I just I don't think. And Justin is definitely shaking his head to that. I don't think the Falcons are moving in the right direction. Matty Ice is about to find his way out of. Out of Atlanta. I say that. They'll probably win the Super Bowl. This year, so <laughs> the other team, and probably a surprise, I don't think the Panthers had a very good draft. They went 15-1 last year. They went, ran through the playoffs, and they got beat up by the Broncos in the Super Bowl. And what have they done? Well, they got rid of Josh Norman because they didn't want to pay him, which is fine. I understand it's a business, but you got to have a backup plan. And I feel like they reached to find kind of fill that void in James Bradbury and Daryl Worley. They also added a third cornerback in Zach Sanchez. But... They added another defensive tackle, which I just, I mean, I know, BPA, 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 but at some point, like, you just um, took the option of Starla Tulele, you have Kawan Short, you have Paul Soliai, you have three big defensive tackles, and I know, the good teams are always looking another, like, they're looking a year away from now. You know, that's fine. If Quan Short leaves and you have Vernon Butler to plug in, that's great. You got the defensive tackle taken care of. But there's plenty of other positions that you right. needed help, and I just don't think the Panthers uh, did too much. Where's the offensive lineman? Where's your, where's your running back? Yeah. I, I agree. For a team that's looking to take it to the next level, it's hard to say that for a team that went to the Super Bowl. I don't think they addressed the needs that, that they had there. And, and the last one of the losers before we get to the worst team is the Buccaneers. Uh I'm split on Vernon Hargreaves because at the time I wanted Miami to possibly take him until Tunsil kept falling. But there's some questions about his size, uh, especially his height and arm length. And transferring to the NFL game, he's the cornerback out of Florida. Noah Spence, a guy, you know, somewhat local probably, went to Bishop McDevitt in Harrisburg, started at Ohio State out there for three years before having to go to Eastern Kentucky because of Austin Field things. If those flare up and come back to bite him, that's a wasted second-round pick by the Bucks. And then the, the biggest head-scratcher, trading up 15 spots to draft a kicker in the second round, Roberto Aguayo, who everyone says, he's the most accurate kicker in college history, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, he has maybe have been perfect from 39 and under, but he's 14 of 22 from 40-plus. Yeah. How does that get you drafted in the second round? Right. Yeah, I don't. I don't get it at all. Uh, NFL kickers make their money forty plus. Right. And this guy is no better than some of the other guys that are out there. I I just don't see it. Right. I don't care if he's automatic. Like he, from nev- 39 he, he never he never missed an extra point, which isn't the same as the NFL's extra point. Right. So at one point I was like, oh, I liked Hargreaves. I like Spence. And then I looked. I was like, yeah, the rest of the stuff is just kind of like, all right, whatever. And trading up to get that kicker, and then you're like, well, Spence had all those off-the-field issues. And I know, yeah, I don't want to be a hypocrite because I know Tunsil had those for the Dolphins too. I'm not talking much about the Dolphins, but it's just 
I, right. at first glance, I was like, oh, that's not too bad at the top. And then I was like, well, there's a lot of, I think there was a lot of more chance for these to fail uh, than to come out on top. And, and the, the kicker thing, just I'll never get that. So I didn't like three of the four NFC South teams. But the team that I thought did the worst um, was the San Diego Chargers. Um, we talked about Bosa off the top. I just a third overall pick for Bosa. I just I don't see that at all. Um, I like their second pick, Hunter Henry, the tight end from Arkansas. I think he's the best pick they made. Um, they took uh, USC center Max Turk, um, Ohio State linebacker Josh Perry, um, another linebacker from Akron, a, a specialist. They took JJ Watts' brother. I don't know. Maybe they want some of that, yeah. some of that um, mojo flown, but I. <laughs> None of these players jumped after me that they're going to be immediate impact guys. Even Bosa, I just I'm not high on him. If he turns out to be, you know, the second coming and an incredible player, you know that this will be completely proving me wrong. But I don't. There was nothing about the Chargers draft that that thrilled me. I guess other than I like the Hunter Henry pick. Right. Yeah, I I agree. I honestly think in terms of value, I like the Donovan Clark at the very end, adding a guard, which is something that they need. Offensive you know, line. Yeah. Well, we Max, talked about Max them Turk possibly taking a tackle. USC is and... great, but yeah, I think they should have gone with one of the Keystone tackles. That that's my take. I I know that's still hit or miss. They but... take Stanley or Tunsil, and they're talking about an entire different draft. Right. Even if they didn't want to take Tunsil, I think you take if they take Stanley in the first round, and then still get Hunter Henry in the second round. Like, all right, you've added two key pieces there up front. And, you know, I know Hunter Henry is not exactly a blocking, you know, tight end exactly. But, uh, yeah, I think you're there puts a whole different spin on their draft. All right, so that's our take on the NFL draft. I know I apologize not talking much about the six teams we usually talk about, but they're all right in the middle, you know. And that's okay. And, yeah, it's fine. Sometimes it's nice to talk about the other teams, so that's what we're able to do. Um, on the next episode, show 209, it'll be two weeks from now, Sunday, May 15th. We're going to take next Sunday off to hang out with our wives and moms and for uh, Mother's Day, uh, but we'll be back in two weeks on May 15th. Uh, we had said that we are going to talk about the Flyers uh, end of the flyer season, the off season, and the upcoming uh, year this fall, just because there's a lot of hype surrounding the guys in the system and building on the success that they had this year, not expecting to make the playoffs, and then really coming on uh, at the end of February through the end of the year. You can always get more from us at jmnjrradio.com or jomazandjraf.com. Be sure to follow all of us on Twitter at jmnjr underscore radio, at jomazandjraf, at jmflyer1454, and at mr underscore raffoff. Uh, I know you've got a couple shout-outs, or at least one. Yeah, shout-out to my mom, who has a birthday on Tuesday. So happy and, birthday. Uh, also, two happy anniversaries to send out there. One to Kelly's parents, the Rosses, celebrated just a few days ago. And to my parents, Bill and Karen, will be uh, celebrating their anniversary in just a few days on May 5th. And also... We won't be broadcasting on this day this year, but I always mark it on or around the time, and that is Wednesday, May 4th, is Star Wars Day, so make sure everyone celebrates that day. And, and I'll make sure to say it to all the multi- students who will roll their eyes. Definitely. That's the best way to do it. So anything else to add? Uh, no. All right. <laughs> so thanks for joining us. This wraps up the 208th episode of the Joe Mays and J-Raff Show. We hope you tune in every Sunday for our take on sports. Until next time, I'm J-Raff. And I'm Joe Mays. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Joe Mays and J-Raff Show. Tune in every Sunday for the latest sports discussions from Joe and Justin. Each episode is available live on Ustream or Mixler and can be downloaded or streamed on iTunes and SoundCloud. 
You can interact with Joe and Justin on Facebook and Twitter. And stay up to date with the guys at JoeMaysAndJRaff.com. The Joe Mays and JRaff Show is part of the JMNJR Radio Network. For more info, visit JMNJRRadio.com.